welcome to the Coppreneur Path Podcast. Welcome to the show that is all about the path from cop to copreneur. I'm your host, Adam Wills. With this podcast, I'm going to help equip you for your own post-law enforcement entrepreneurial journey with lessons learned from my experience growing a successful post-Leo business. You'll also get to hear from fellow copreneurs and experts in business and marketing whose advice will give you an edge against the competition. You are in the right place. So let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Copreneur Path Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Wills. Hey guys, you know what? I just realized something as I was getting ready to record this episode. It's been a little while since I have gotten caught up on reading you guys' reviews that you guys have left for the show. Uh, I always try to do that. When I see new reviews come in, I read them here on the show because I, I appreciate them so much. Reviews, you guys, you have no idea how important these reviews are to me uh, that I receive on Apple Podcasts and other places. And it's not just because I I want the feedback, which I do. I love the feedback. I love hearing from you guys and I love hearing how this show has impacted you personally, but also because those reviews help other people find the show because when you guys leave reviews, that sells sends powerful signals to Apple Podcasts and the other podcast directories that say this is a quality and authoritative podcast and we're going to show it to more people. So I want to read a couple of reviews here from for you guys real quick. The first one is a five-star review review from a previous podcast guest, actually, Julian Hayes II. Thank you, Julian. It says, uh, it's an interesting and valuable podcast. Adam and his various guests strike a great balance between motivation and actual strategy for implementation. Also, I appreciate how Adam, along with his guests, offer a realistic portrait of entrepreneurship. Guys, that's exactly what I hope to provide you guys with all the time on this show is a realistic realistic idea of what entrepreneurship looks like. Not all the roses and rainbows and kittens, but the actual real stuff that you have to get into. So thank you again, Julian, for the awesome review. And uh, I'll read one more here. I've got several more, but I'm going to leave a couple for the next episode. The next one uh, is from Spark Sparky Marky. I'm not sure exactly who that is. Sparky Marky left a five-star review and it says, nothing works without integrity. Thank you, Adam, for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. So I guess this is a previous guest. I'm not sure who that is. Says, you helped me by creating the space to share how accountability and integrity can be empowering and a game changer. I'm grateful for the conversation we recorded. Awesome, guys. Well, please do go leave your review on the podcast. You can do that easily by either clicking review in the podcast listening app that you choose to use or by going to cpp.fm forward slash review. All right, let's dive into the show here. Guys, I have another best of show episode for you here today. Um as part of our celebration for hitting the milestone of breaching episode 100. And so today I have four more really awesome episodes from the past, blast from the past here, if you will, of the podcast uh, archives that I want to share with you. And first where we're going to start uh, is with episode 36, which is titled 
Why are firefighters better entrepreneurs than cops? And in this episode, uh, we talk about this exact concept uh, because I honestly have never, ever met a firefighter that didn't have a side hustle. So in this episode, I talked to Drew Aversa because he was a firefighter full-time had a side hustle, and now is a full-time entrepreneur. It's interesting to me because even though it seems second nature for firefighters to have a side hustle, most cops, it seems like the idea of entrepreneurship is completely foreign. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode with Drew Aversa. And that same is true for law enforcement. I feel like maybe just from my own experience and for what I, what I hear from other guys, it's just uh, most law enforcement agencies are really, really, really strict about that. They're really strict about requiring that you declare if you're doing outside employment or you have a business on the side and wanting to know what the details are of it. And very often the response that some of these these guys are getting is, oh, well, there's a, there's a conflict of interest or there's an ethics issue or whatever it may be. And part of that is because most cops, if they go into entrepreneurship, at all, usually they're doing things that are very much related to law enforcement. And so I think that creates kind of this mental barrier that guys on the job see this sort of thing and gals see this on the, this sort of thing happening. And they're like, well, why am I even going to bother asking? Or they just try to do, do it under the radar so that they can get away with, with it and because they just don't, they'd rather not ask and be rejected or told no. And so they do it under the radar, but that really stifles their ability to actually do what they need to do with their business in order to grow it because they feel like they can't talk about it. So it's just kind of a unique challenge. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that one, right? You obviously want to be transparent in what you're doing. Don't hide it. Eventually, we all know, right? I think cops know better than anybody. You know, if you try to hide something, it's going to come back and bite you in the you know what. So don't hide it. Be transparent about what you're doing. And talk to your leadership and say, hey, I'm really passionate about doing this. This is what I'd like to do. This is where I'm at. Are there any conflicts? This and that. And, and regardless, whether, you know, when I was Fortune 500 company, we had conflict of interest rules. And if there was a conflict of interest, you know, potentially, then you had to run it through the legal department. And you had to run it through those channels. So I guess don't feel like it's it's like your admin or your, or your leadership is cracking the whip on you, right? You understand that this is universal. And Fortune 500 companies and other companies, other industries. So there's a responsibility from those that are, are faced with decision making and, and those that would also bear the brunt of if what you're doing is, is a conflict or is seen in the negative light uh, nowadays. I mean, we've seen with the law enforcement, right? In, in was it Texas where the police officer wore the coronavirus t-shirt, you know, and, and that was on oh, public yeah. Facebook. And then that, that officer was chosen to be the, the PIO and the spokesperson. Not a good thing. Like you, we all need to do our part nowadays. And, you know, one, don't put stupid things out there that, you know, are just not sensitive. That's the emotional intelligence piece, right? So get some coaching on that, work on that. And even if you're frustrated and stressed, which it's a very stressful time right now, especially in law enforcement. Make sure, you know, there's an outlet, right? Coaching, therapy, those sort of things. And check your social media presence. Check those sort of things and make sure that you're not presenting unneeded drama, unneeded risk. Because at the end of the day, 
that kind of stuff is going to be drama for you. It's going to be drama for your family. You, you know, you're going to be in the newspaper and then your family's going to be seen as a negative people. Your kids are going to get picked on at school, you know, for, oh, your dad's blah, 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 racist or whatever, right? In that situation, using right. just one situation, right? In, in recent that people can relate to. So that's why this, this is very important to get that. And then from a leadership standpoint, support your people because look, at the end of the day, my injury is living proof that nothing is permanent in this profession, that it's an odds game. And we all know that we've seen people die from cancer. We've seen people shot. We've seen people, you know, injuries, different things like that. It's an odds game to make it to the 30 years. So if you are one of the people who are lucky enough to make it to the 30 years, congratulations. Now with that, take that privilege, take that beauty of the 30 years and understand that there are people who may never make it to 30 years. So what can you do to support them to be successful? Because the system, I'm telling you, will not be there for you. And it's not your friend if you get injured or things happen. It's designed to be adversarial. That's the way lawyers are in America with the cities and the counties and work comp. So it is what it is. So you need to build your future at the same time as understanding the landscape. And then lastly, to your point, with workers comp, I will touch on this is, you know, people do have businesses, depending on the state you're in, you need to understand that sometimes what the defense attorney will do is try to hang you up and try to, you know, say you're working this side job and you're, you know, blah, 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 you're not really hurt. Now, understand there's a difference between being medically retired or disabled from the occupation of a police officer or a firefighter than being an office worker in, in a insurance industry. You have a state farm franchise you're running, right? That's totally different than being a police officer and having to get down on the ground and, and put somebody in a hold and tweak your back around and your neck. There's a totally different thing. But what they can do is they can try to hang you up on some technicality for work comp. So all of these things, what we're sharing now is how do you protect yourself how do you make sure that all the, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and you can move your life forward, but also risk management, right? So I think police officers are very good with risk management. So do your own risk management and your own due diligence just to make sure you know nothing stupid happens because it it's just such unneeded time and it can be costly too if you get caught up yeah. with the wrong work comp situation or the wrong thing and, and you know you're doing everything to the best of your ability. All right, guys, was that awesome or what? Drew Aversa was such a good guest, and there were so many value bombs in that entire episode. Please go back and check it out in its entirety. Episode 36, Why Are Firefighters Better than better Entrepreneurs Than Cops? Guys, cops, we box ourselves in to doing things that are law enforcement related when it comes to our mindset on entrepreneurship. And those things often, like was mentioned in the episode, they create conflicts of interest for us with our agency. And so I want to encourage you guys to think outside the box a little bit. Okay. Now I have to admit I did that too. And if you've heard my transition story, um, you know that initially I struggled with this. I thought that I had to do something that was related to my law enforcement career when I decided to leave. I thought that that was the only skill set I had after 15 years. And I was so, so wrong, guys. There are so many opportunities out there for you. And quite frankly, I don't really care if that means franchising a Chick-fil-A or whatever it may be, right? There are tons of opportunities out there and, and it doesn't have to be something related to your law enforcement career. 
I want to pull out a quick quote and something that Drew said that I thought was awesome. And that was build your future while you're on the job. In other words, while you're in your law enforcement career, before you're ready to make that transition out, start preparing for what the future looks like and how to get there. Now, I want to encourage you guys that there's a really awesome resource. If you go to leo2ceo.com, leo, the number two, ceo.com, click on the button at the top that says, take the free law enforcement transition course. This is a course, it's not just for those of you guys that are actually right now planning on a transition out, but if you are considering it and you wanna prepare for it and you wanna know what's to come and what opportunities are out there, go check out the free law enforcement transition course. All right, let's move on to the next clip here in our best of show episode. And we're gonna go back now to episode 41 titled Financial Peace and Debt Freedom for Law Enforcement Professionals with Jason Hoshauer, AKA MotorCop. Now guys, here's something I know about you. If you're a cop, chances are you stink at managing your own finances. In fact, I will say you probably do it just about every other cop does and you look through every purchasing decision that you make with a lens that is how much overtime do I need to do in order to purchase whatever this thing is. Oh man, that is a horrible, horrible way to manage your personal finances. And it is most certainly going to lead to disaster, especially if you are of the entrepreneurial mindset and you think you want to start a business someday. So Jason has set out to try and kill that mindset amongst law enforcement. He's a Ramsey certified financial coach, and he is is on a mission to help cops manage their finances better. So let's jump into this episode. Take a listen to some of the things that Jason, a.k.a. Motor Cop, has to say. My space is the personal finance space. I, I teach other cops how to deal with money. And I'm not talking about Bitcoin or investing in your, your Roth IRA. I'm not a, a certified financial planner. What I teach you to do is how to leverage your biggest wealth building tool, and that's your income. The money you bring home every two weeks or every month, depending on how you get paid, how to plan for it instead of getting to the end of the month and being like, oh, where'd all my money go? You can, at the beginning of the month, yeah. say, now I got to work overtime. Exactly. And I talk, I've talked circles around the the overtime cycle and and how we get into it, how it traps us there, uh, what our mindset is, how we get stuck. And one of the biggest shifts in, God, my whole life has, has been getting out of debt. We, we paid off $77,232.88 in two days shy of 28 months. And this is in the San Francisco East Bay. And my wife was not working out of the, uh, outside of the home at the time. It was just my income. And we had two kids and we added a third uh, towards the end of our, our journey. Just by living by example, people started asking me questions. How have you done that? How, I'd, I'd like to do that. And I thought, well, yeah, that's interesting. I, I bet I could figure out a way to teach them. And I ended up going to Tennessee in 2013. I spent a week with Dave Ramsey and his team and I became a Dave Ramsey trained financial coach. Created my side business. I created an online course five years ago. Uh, however, I am currently retooling the whole kit and caboodle 
uh, because I've learned so much about curriculum design and adult learning, became a master instructor certified by the state of California. I rewrote the 40-hour basic collision course for the state. I, I've been told repeatedly, uh, you are not a terrible instructor, and we really enjoyed this class. When I took basic, it was like watching paint dry. I mean, it was the most painful 40 hours of my life. And I thought, I'm, I'm passionate about traffic. I want other people to not only know how to write a collision report, but how to do it with empathy, how to document everything, how to take photos. If you, if you hand a, a camera to a beat guy and you're like, hey, I need some photos of the crash, you're going to get photos of that dude's shoes, maybe a street sign, and a close-up of a tire, and that's it. Now, I, so I walk them through exactly how to talk to people, how to, and it, there's a difference between talking to somebody that is a crime victim and somebody who's been uh, in a collision. Uh, there, it, there's just different ways to uh, to approach it, and I make the course yeah, yeah. entertaining. That that which entertaining and police uh, training do not go together most of the time. Right. You know, I hate I hate going to AO advanced officer training every year and have the the same chucklehead teaching the same class with the same PowerPoint that is nothing but policy, and they go around the room and okay, why don't you read line one? Oh my God, dude, I can read, man. I know how to read. Just, hey, make do a handout and say, hey, I'm gonna give you guys 20 minutes to read this and then leave me alone. I don't I don't need you to read me policy, okay? What what I learned about curriculum design is that it's it's not about the instructor. It's about the student. It is student centered. Yeah. It is not instructor centered. Like I I stopped giving my my whole <laughs> curriculum vitae when I went through this class because it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'll give you a, a brief summation of my history and and just so you know that I know from where I am speaking, but you don't need to know about my wife and my kids and the fact that I like sailboats or ducks or whatever. Who right. cares? It doesn't matter. Teach me what I need to learn. That That is such a good principle when talking about business and marketing and sales, just I, that's a whole rabbit trail that we could go down and I could spend hours oh, talking on. So yeah. I'll, I'll not take us there, but, but the, the same concept applies to adult education and marketing your business. Nobody, nobody cares yeah. about you. You're not, you're not the hero of that story, right? Your student, your customer, they're the hero of the story. It really is about them. And you're right. You do need to demonstrate who you are as it applies to what you're teaching or what you're selling but here's the here's the guideline and the principle that I use and I coach clients on to stay focused on. It's a filter, if you will. When you talk about yourself, it should only be to demonstrate empathy or authority. Yeah. And if it doesn't fall into either of those two categories, it's just fluff, it's garbage, and it has to go. And you're right, that applies to adult education just as much as it does to marketing and sales. All right, guys, I want to give a big shout out here to Jason. Jason was not only an awesome podcast guest, two times podcast guest, but Jason is also a valuable member and engaged member of the LEO to CEO community. He's part of the LEO to CEO community council, and he has been a client of mine. We helped him with his website for GPS financial coaching, but he's also become a good friend. And you may not know that he also edits this podcast. 
And so I've got to give a huge shout out to Jason because Jason has been an integral part of what we're doing here and um, a big support. And like I said, a great friend, uh, a great friendship has developed along the way. So Jason, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your involvement. And uh, thank you for being on a mission to help cops with their personal finances. So guys, do yourself a favor. Go to gpsfinancialcoaching.com and there you will find the five-day budgeting challenge. It's a free challenge uh, that you can take and Jason is going to guide you through in five days how to get your budget in order. Now, I know this the term budget, it's a crappy term and we don't like budgets, but I'm telling you guys, Jason, if you know Jason at all, he is an absolute uh, comic relief pretty much all the time. And, uh, this is no different. He's going to make it fun. Uh, the five day budgeting challenge. It's a good time. So go check it out. GPSfinancialcoaching.com. All right, let's move on now to our next clip, which comes from episode 44. It's a solo episode that I did called skills stacking for business and professional growth. Guys, Career and business growth is really all about stacking the right skills at the right time and in the right order. Okay, and so you're going to hear more about that here in this clip. And in fact, I'm going to start in this clip. You'll hear me talking about Jay-Z as an example. Now, I'm not a big fan of Jay-Z necessarily, but um, I love picking on him and I use him as an example a lot when I teach and coach. And so uh, let's dive in. You're going to hear me use Jay-Z as an example for skill stacking and why it is so important in your personal, professional and business life. Jay-Z at a young age recognized that he had rhythm. You know, he could feel a beat. He could follow that beat. He recognized that he had rhythm. That is a very foundational level skill. That was a a skill that he was gifted. It wasn't really even a skill that he necessarily had to go and pursue and work for, but he was gifted with this skill of rhythm. So the next thing he did was he stacked another skill on top of that, and he learned how to perform. He learned how to rap. He learned how to have a stage presence, okay? That is the next skill that he acquired. That added value. That next skill gave him greater value and therefore greater impact. Now, again, we could take that a step further and we continue up this ladder, the impact ladder, if you will, and... He then learned how to sell and market himself. So he learned how to uh, market his, his CDs and his music and uh, a clothing line and all these other things, right? So he learns how to sell and market himself. The very next thing he does is he learns how to create his own label. So he created his own label. Um, and, and again, we see how he's exponentially gaining value incrementally one over the next. After that, he goes out. And he then learns how to attract and find other performers and bring them onto his label. And now he is marketing them because that was a skill that he had previously gained. He learned how to market previously. Now he can use that skill in promoting these other performers that he brought on to his label. Now, in, when I presented this idea uh, about a week ago in the LEO to CEO community, MotorCop actually said that he wanted to know at what point in the skill stacking did Jay-Z marry Beyonce. Um, and I don't know where that lies there, but uh, you, <laughs> we can certainly uh, just assume we can, assume. you know what? Maybe that was the last skill because he had the time. 
you had the time to go out and date, right? And uh, anyway, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to dive into that. But you see how as we stack skills, each talent becomes disproportionately more valuable than the one before it. So I want to say this. If you have not been able to increase your income or advance your business or your you feel like your career has stagnated and you've been in that spot for an extended period of time, I would say um, you know a year or longer, then here's the reality of it. You have chosen not to look for and identify the next skill that you need to stack on top of the ones you already have. You are making that choice. You have made the choice for your career, for your business, or for your income level to become stagnant. Okay. You are responsible for the growth of your income level and where you're at with your income level. If you're not happy with it, then it's on you to do something about it. So, Here's something I want to share, or I, you know, I just want to unpack. Let's say, for example, as a business owner, I am struggling with, you know, let's say, web design. Okay, so my my full time agency, my business, uh, Story Web Creative, we we do marketing and web design, sales funnels, that sort of thing, right? And this is actually a challenge I've been having lately. I've I've been looking to try and hire a web designer, right? And I have a pretty set idea in my mind of what I want, who I want to hire, what type of person they would be, what sort of skills they would have to be, right? But here's what I'm not doing. I'm not saying uh, nobody's as good as me, nobody can do it as good as me, right? If I was saying that, if I was saying, man, there's just no one else out there that can design a website like I can, I can't find the right person uh, it just can't be done. I lack a skill. Are, there, there are probably actually multiple skills there that I am lacking. What, what are those? Those are that I am lacking the skill to find the right person to hire, to recruit, and to train. Okay. So if that is where you're at with your business right now, I would argue that you are lacking the skill that you need to find, hire, recruit, and train. If you are saying to yourself, there's no one else that can do it like me, that is a bunch of malarkey and you are just lacking the skill necessary to actually find the right person to fit that position. Now, let's take that to another level. If I say, you know what, uh, you know, from a sales perspective, I have good months and I have bad months. And, you know, there are times that, you know, uh, we do awesome. And there are times that I can't keep it on track. And I've got a sales team that, uh, you know, sometimes they're just, they are on fire, but at other times, you know, I'm wondering if they're actually even showing up, if they're even doing anything because the, the sales are, are low. I, again, lack the skill of management. Now I am, I am poorly managing my sales team. So what I want to impress upon you here is that you need a mindset shift. If this is you, you need a mindset shift. And I'm going to be real frank with you here. If you feel like you're falling short in any of these areas, it's 100% your fault. And I know that sounds really tough, but it's true. And I have to tell myself that too, 
Okay. Um, like I said, I, I'm sharing with you where I'm coming from in my own personal experience. It's a hundred percent my fault. It's a hundred percent your fault too. All right. So now that you've had the opportunity to understand the concept of skill stacking, as I've presented it in this episode, let me ask you a question. Are you stacking the right skills in the right order and at the right time? Ask yourself, what is the next goal that you want to achieve? And I don't care whether this is a personal life goal, a career life goal, or a business life goal, but ask yourself, what is the next goal that you want to achieve? And then take that a step further and identify what skills do you need to stack in order to accomplish it. And notice how I said skills. There may be more than one, but understand what skills you need to stack in order to accomplish it and what order you need to stack them in. And then go out and get after it, guys. I'm telling you, once you understand this concept and you can start thinking of, of everything you do through this lens of stacking the right skills in the right order at the right time, things will start to fall in place for you. So please give it a try. All right, let's move on to our next clip for this Best of Show episode. We're going to move to episode 46, which is another solo episode that I did called The 10 Things on Your Website That Are Killing Your Conversions. Okay, in this episode, I'm covering some of the most common yet also the most detrimental things that I see people goof up on their websites all the time and it kills their conversions. Okay, now if you don't know what I'm talking about with conversions, it just means... When somebody comes to your website, you want them to take an action that takes them a step further to becoming a paid customer, that's called a conversion. So whatever that website visitor does on your website that leads them to take that next step is a conversion, okay? Conversions are a good thing. We want conversions to happen. And if you're killing your conversions by doing these things that I outlined in this episode, then they're a simple fix. Just don't do them or or do them the correct way. Okay, so on this clip that I'm going to play for you now, I cover number four on my list, which is the lack of a clear call to action, which is so, so, so important that, hey, maybe it should have actually been number one um, since that's the one I chose to pick here. But either way, number four, uh, the, the reason why you need a clear call to action on your website. Here we go. Number four, no clear call to action. Man, I cannot I cannot uh, stress enough the importance of a clear call to action. And the call to action here is, uh, I like to refer to it as your cash register. Okay. It is the cash register on your website. So I want you to go back to when I was talking about your above the fold content and the way that people scan your above the fold content on your website in a Z pattern. Now, when they get to the top right corner of your homepage, that is where you should have a very clear, very big, very uh, bright and, and, and obvious <laughs> call to action button. And that call to action needs to be very direct. Okay. So before we get into talking about the directness of the call to action and why that's important, I want to talk to you a little bit about why I call it the cash register. The reason I call it the cash register is because of that placement that I just explained to you in the top right corner. So think about, you know, when you walk into Walmart or Target or, you know, other retail stores like, like those, when you walk in the front door, into the entrance. What is the very first thing that you see? You see the cash registers. 
Well, I got to tell you guys, that's not by accident. They didn't design the stores that way just because it was convenient or just because that's how uh, the architecture just happened, right? It didn't just fall into place that way, right? Like there was at some point somebody who put into that the thought of psychology of buying. And the idea was that they are priming you for the sale for the moment that you walk in the store, right? They're making it clear to you when you walk in the store that things for things in this store are for sale. You have to buy them and we want you to buy them. And this is where you're going to go when you find the thing you like and you want to buy it, right? So there's psychology there that is very intentional, very purposeful, very focused. They want you to know when you walk in the door that they want you to buy something. It is a business relationship. There is a business transaction to be had, and therefore it is a genuine relationship. Okay. Walmart is creating a genuine relationship with you when you walk in the door and they're saying, I want you to buy stuff from us. Okay. You need to do the same thing on your website. If you are not asking for the sale, through a direct call to action on your website, you are trying to create a disingenuous relationship. You are not being clear to your site visitors that this is a business. I sell things and I want you to buy them. And this is where you go to do that. So people need to be primed from that moment that this direct call to action, this button, once I've scrolled a little bit and I've been convinced that I want to buy, this is where I need to go back to in order to buy. It's like going back to the cash register before you leave the store. Once you find that new flat screen TV. Okay. So next thing is the directness of your call to action. Why does it need to be direct? Well, relationships, business, business is like relationships. And it's really like dating relationships. Okay. Ultimately the goal is we, we want the girl to marry us. Okay. That is the direct call to action here. It's, will you marry me? All right. That is, that is the final outcome that I am looking for is, will you marry me? But how many websites have you looked at? And maybe you're a culprit of this. I've looked at tons that have a direct call to action that actually says something like learn more or get started. Well, that doesn't really say anything. It's not very clear. What does that mean? Okay. I have no idea what happens when I click on that button. It's no different than if you walk up to the girl in the bar and you say, learn more or get started. It's not going to go anywhere. Right. Uh, you'll probably still get slapped if you say, will you marry me if you've never met the girl before, but Hey, you know what? At least she understands what the goal is and, and what you, what you want out of the relationship. Right? So our, our direct calls to action have to be that direct. They have to be that direct. If you are not being that direct, you are causing confusion and you are leaving the person wondering what happens when I click this button. Uh, it's too risky. I'm, I'm just not going to bother. Uh, I'll, I'll go check out somebody else's website. All right. How many of you think that the next time you go to the bar and see a pretty girl across the way that it would work out really well for you if you immediately went over, got on bended knee and said, will you marry me? Probably not. Right. So this is where we leave things off on this, this particular clip. You heard me talk about the importance of a call to action and the directness of the call to action being that we want a commitment in the business transaction, the business relationship. 
But the reality is, is not everybody's ready to marry you, right? So um, th- we'll take this a step further and, and I'll let you know right now that what you need to do is nurture that relationship. I talk about this a lot in the LEO to CEO community um, through some of the workshops that we've done, that relationships go through the cycles of curiosity, enlightenment, and commitment. That applies both to business relationships and personal relationships. And you have to take everybody through those steps before you can actually seek commitment. So yes, you need a direct call to action on your website. But if all you have on your website is a direct call to action asking for the commitment to marriage, then you are effectively ignoring a big chunk of the people coming to your website, because on average, only about four to 6% of people are actually ready to do business with you. So this is what we call a lead generator and a sales funnel. But We're not going to dive into that right now because we've reached the end of our time, but I do want to encourage you because we have covered that extensively in the LEO to CEO community workshops, please consider joining the LEO to CEO community. Go to LEO, the number two CEO.com. You can join the, the online community for free, and then you can choose if you want to upgrade for just seven bucks a month. Uh, that's heck that's less than a tank of gas in some States anymore. Uh, or I'm sorry, a gallon of gas. That's, that's, that's less than a gallon of gas is what I meant to say. So, uh, for seven bucks a month, you can join our workshops and you get access to all of the past workshops we've done that are recorded and available to you on demand for you to go and check out. All right, guys, thanks. We'll catch you on the next episode. We've got a couple more best of show episodes for you because there were so many golden nuggets that we found as we went searching through the archives. So come back for the next best of show episode. And then guys, um, we've got some amazing guests lined up for the the, the next um, several episodes to follow. I'm going to give you guys an ins- uh, a little bit of a sneak peek into who we've got coming up uh, after uh, these best of show episodes. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at leotoceo.com forward slash podcast dash review or in your preferred podcast listening app. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other copreneurs like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to leo2ceo.com, click on podcast and search this episode number and you'll find all the links, descriptions and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.